Thank you, Pam. Thank you, David. I don't know if you've ever woken up in the morning and things are a little bit blurry and it's half light. I do this because my eyes aren't very good. And you'll look at something and you can't quite get it into focus, what it is. And it could be a bit of a mystery. And then suddenly the light comes on and you see it clearly. Now, it's a little bit like I felt the last day or two. And I, I really, really hope that this morning, perhaps others of us, maybe all of us, will see something clearly today that we haven't quite seen as clearly before. That's my prayer. So can we just pray again together? Heavenly Father, thank you for those incredible words, the truths of your love and your grace. And Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would help me to speak your words clearly. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Show us something that will change our lives. Even change them today, Lord, we pray. And I pray this might be a day of coming into your new life for some, even for the first time. Just be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right, I've gone low tech because I um, couldn't really get it all together in time to do a PowerPoint, but anyway. So I'm going to put a few things on the board behind me to remind us where we're going. So there's a masterpiece. It's not quite Rona's painting, but it's the same beach. Um, so that's the first thing. Now, what I want to look at today is I want to start by looking at some things which have been a little bit out of focus for me for a while. Things which have been confusing a little bit. So here, I want to go through a few. Um, the first thing is a, a lot of years ago. So I, I taught for many years at a big upper school. And one lovely thing about upper schools is nobody wants to do assemblies. Um, it's put in front of like 500 kids at a time. It's a bit scary. So if you're a Christian, they're like, yeah, you can do assemblies, Rob. So I did assemblies every term. I remember I did an assembly once. Um, and I must have said something about what it is to be a Christian, how amazing. And a lady called Kim. Now, it wasn't this Kim. That's actually Kim Kardashian, in case you don't know. But a lady called Kim, who was one of those up and coming young teachers who went on to get a headship really early on in life and was incredible, really, with the kids. But she came up to me at the end and said, Rob, is it, does that make a difference in your life to be a Christian? And I must admit, I was a little bit taken by surprise, a little bit taken off guard, because as she said that, I could imagine, I, could, I was thinking about some of my Christian friends who were going through a time of, one Christian friend especially going through a time of quite deep depression. I could think of other people who were ill. I could think of other people who had been, had left a church because they felt rejected. And I'm thinking, hmm, I think she meant, does it make a difference? Is your life so much better because you're a Christian? And I was a little bit, well, I don't know. Is that the right question? At that time, as a mathematician, I would probably have thought the right question would have been, is it true? To me, that's much more important. Is it true than does it make a difference? But the question kind of bothered me and I put it away and I thought, well, does it make a difference? We'll come back to Kim a little bit later on. Recently, um, I've been, well, I've been supporting um, Open Doors for a few years, a number of years actually, and I get their prayer diary. Um, and every day, every morning, I pray through, there's a prayer for somebody around the world in a country where Christians are being persecuted, where life is really, really hard. And please do come tonight. It'd be great to see you. I know Carl and Sally um, would really appreciate it. Other would appreciate, we'll be there too. And it's great to just spend a little bit of time praying for our Christian brothers and sisters. But I remember reading an article that really struck me in the autumn. And it was about a young Muslim girl who basically had 
in this article, she was saying um, she'd become a Christian, and in becoming a Christian, she'd kind of lost everything because she'd lost her family, she'd been rejected by her family, she'd lost a future in the society. Um, she wasn't facing actual direct persecution, but she'd been cast out. And you might think, well, gosh, would I stand up for Jesus in that time? She wasn't denying her faith. She was standing for Jesus. But she said, when I met Jesus, it was like for the first time I knew a peace. And that peace has changed my life. And the story went on to say how she'd been supported by other Christians and the church. But that challenged me. Have you ever been challenged by the thought, if we had to choose between Jesus and everything we know, our families, our society, will we keep with Jesus? So I'll put the lady up there to represent that lady. Oops, on the floor. And we'll come back to her a little bit later too. And then the third one, the final one. Simon Gilbo is an amazing guy who God called to Burundi um, many years ago when it was a war zone. It was mentioned by Ali Tinpot on the um, church email this week. And um, I also get his um, blog each week. And a couple of weeks ago, he told a story, a true story, um, about a, a family from Iran, a couple from Iran. Now, apparently, um, you may or may not know, but Iran is actually one of the, I think it's about six on the list of most persecuted countries in the world for Christians. If you become a Christian in Iran, um, you're likely to be put in prison. It's got full Sharia law. Um, you can be put to death for being a Christian. You can be put to death for trying to share your faith. So you can imagine if people become a Christian in Iran, it's, it's a big deal. And this particular couple apparently had been given, a, they'd found asylum in the US. So you think that's brilliant. They've become Christians in Iran. They've gone through the persecution and the suffering. But they got out to the US and they've started a new life in the United States. But apparently after only a few, a short time, the lady said to her husband, she said, I want to go back. He said, why do you want to go back? And she said, because there's a satanic lullaby in this country. The church is asleep. I don't want to be in a country, in a church where we're asleep. Now that, this actually is an Iranian lady. It's not the lady. That challenged me. And I thought, gosh, are we asleep? So today, I hope you will take a bit of challenge as well, because I want to just look at this in a bit more detail. So we come to a passage. We're going to get back to the masterpiece by the end. But in the meantime, I just want to read you a few of those verses again. This is from the New Living Translation. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, just like the rest of the world. And then, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, I was trying to think through, this is the thing that really struck me as I was looking at this passage. The contrast, that's the biggest contrast, isn't it? Life and death. I was thinking about contrast. I don't know if you're a sports fan. I'm a Tigers fan. Kath and I used to go and watch the Tigers every, every Saturday. We had season tickets for 11 years, I did. And as Tigers fans, it's been a bit painful recently. You Exeter fans, you don't know what, how you, you're born, do you? just win all your games well we've been struggling but that difference between winning and losing 
It's huge. You get to, we got two weeks ago, we got to the end of the game, we were up by three or four points, and at the right at the last minute, we lost by one point. If you've ever been in that position, you sports fans, you know what I'm talking about. The contrast between winning and losing is huge. It's a bit like being grumpy for a day and a half, or being really quite pleasant and jolly for a day and a half, which is crazy, I know. But of all the contrasts I could think of, surely life and death is the biggest. So I was thinking, where else do we learn about, like, we have a, do we see about life and death as that contrast? So think about the story of Jesus and Lazarus. Now, if you don't know, Lazarus had two sisters, Martha and Mary, and they were good friends as a family with Jesus. I don't know quite how they became good friends, but they were good friends and he really valued them. And Lazarus became ill and he died. And they laid him in a tomb, and I'm sure his sisters, being loving sisters, would have made that tomb a special place. I'm sure they would have cleaned it out. They would have dressed his body with spices and perfumes so it would smell nice. They would have wrapped it in beautiful, soft cloths. They might even have put some flowers in there. I can imagine that this would be like the tomb to beat all tombs. But he was dead. And the sisters had called for Jesus. But Jesus hadn't come in time. And so they were very upset. And it's a story we've looked at a few times recently in, in house group. But Jesus came. And Jesus stood outside of the tomb. And Jesus called Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus went from death to life in that moment. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine the tomb? Lazarus had been lying there dead and suddenly... He was alive. I was trying to picture it. You could just imagine lying there and suddenly, I'm alive. And in that moment, he might have been overwhelmed by senses. I can smell. I can smell that beautiful perfume. The touch of that lovely grave cloth on my skin is so soft. The twinkling of the, of the gemstones in the walls of the cave. I can breathe. He'd gone from death to life. But he was still in the tomb. I just wonder whether, as Christians, sometimes we can be in a position where we've got the life of Jesus, but we're still wrapped up in that tomb where we were before. Now, Jesus said, come out. I was thinking about, about Kim. Is it, does it work to become a Christian? was the wrong question, I think. The right question would be, does it change anything? And becoming a Christian is having new life. And having new life for Lazarus changed everything. In a moment, everything changes. But it was it better? Well, yes, it was better because he was alive. But I reckon he probably, as he came to, as he came to alive, he might have felt some stones in the back. Oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. He was wrapped up tight. He would have felt the constraint. He didn't feel the constraint before. And now he would have felt it. Jesus said, come out. That could have been quite difficult. I can imagine struggling to get off the the, um, stone where he's lying and stand up with these grave clothes around him. So does becoming a Christian, does giving our life to Jesus, does accepting his forgiveness, does receiving his new life make everything better? not the right question 
it could be sometimes it can be so much harder in many ways for those Christians, those Muslims who give their lives to Jesus. It becomes so much harder. Why would they do it? Well, because they have life now. And before they didn't have life, life is everything. Is it easier? No, not necessarily. Is it, is it worth it? Of course it is. Does it change things? It changes everything. And I can imagine Lazarus in that tomb. He could have just kind of lay there and thought, oh, I've got life. I just want to enjoy it for a moment while I'm here. It is so tempting, isn't it? To think that becoming a Christian, everything else can stay like it is, but I just want to enjoy that life in me. But it's not what we're called to. Jesus says, come out. He says, come out, but it's hard. Did you notice? Well, if you notice the story of late Jesus, of Jesus and Lazarus, Jesus says to Lazarus, come out. And he must have been struggling because he says to some other people, hey, you guys, can you help him? Get those grave clothes open. And sometimes we need that help. The lady who wanted to go back to Iran. I don't think there's any greater privilege, any greater joy than seeing others have that new life for the first time. Than seeing other people come to experience the movement from death to life. And in Iran, she was seeing that. And she moved to America and yes, physically she was more comfortable. She was safer. But to not have that opportunity to share with people who knew they were dead, that there was life, she wanted to go back and be part of that. That challenges me, and I hope it challenges us. So what does it look like to come to life? I don't think it looks like a grave clothes fall off us and everything's fine to begin with. I've got a really good friend who's been struggling with, is he a Christian? Because some of those grave clothes are still stuck. So, oh, how can I be a Christian if I can't pull that off? But being Christian, as we become to Jesus, we gain a life. The fact we know we've got grave clothes is a sign we're alive. We're not called to suddenly for them all to be gone. Let me just read you a few more things from Ephesians. Ephesians is the best book. I love Ephesians um, since I've been getting into this. Read it all. Catherine said last week, read more. I say read Ephesians. It's incredible. It talks of God's love the depth of his riches, of his grace. Paul prays, I want you to know the power. I want you to know the height, the depth, the breadth of his love for you. But it doesn't stop there. Because the thing is, when we become a Christian, it's not that we then do things to please God. It's because before we were dead, and now we're alive, before Lazarus was lying there, and he didn't have to do very much, in some ways his life was pretty straightforward. Each day was, yeah, I pretty know what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to lie here. And now suddenly, when you're alive, there are other opportunities. There are other things to do. There's things that you want to find out, things you want to achieve. Let me read you a few more things, just to, to Paul said it in, in, in Ephesians, just briefly. To people who just become Christians, lead a life worthy of your calling. Throw off your sinful nature. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Put on your new nature. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. 
imitate God. Live a life filled with love. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Make the most of every opportunity. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Give thanks in everything. Be strong in the Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. These aren't a duty. These aren't something we've got. Oh, no, I've got to have a quiet time. Now I'm a Christian. Now I've got to pray. These are signs of life. This is the life Jesus has for us. Think about the masterpiece. I think maybe I got on the wrong track thinking of paintings. Have you ever held a newborn baby? Maybe one that you're invested in, one you love. But any baby. And you look at that baby and it's like, wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. I love those little fingers and the little toes. Isn't that incredible? God looks at us, I believe. He's not seeing this amazing paint. He's not seeing Matt's winsome looks and, and boyish charm in the mirror. He's seeing a little baby and saying, you're my masterpiece. Now, being a masterpiece as a baby doesn't mean you're with a finished work. It doesn't mean we're amazing, but we have the potential. We are life. Jesus came that we could have life. It was in that verse that Matt read. The word of life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it in its fullness. I think we often think we take the life as given and we say he's come that we'd have better life. Kim said, is it better? Does it work? No, it's not like that. He came to give us new life that would be life to the fullness. Not easy. Challenges. Difficulties. Persecution. But a life that won't finish. A life that goes on beyond the grave. A life that, as we lie on our deathbed, is the beginning of that life is, is kind of welling up to become its fullness. So how does that affect us as a church and people? I just wonder, can we just get a new sense of what we're trying to do? What is church? Church, looking at it, is nurturing life. We are nurturing the life that Jesus has put in the hearts of his people. But also, it's more than that. Church is reaching out to those around us without that life and saying, there's life. Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, God's amazing. Yes, we say that. But we offer them life. And that's what we're about. We're about life offering, life giving people because of Jesus' death for us. And that maybe is a little bit sometimes we need to get our perspective and our views so we could give them an amazing cup of coffee. Um, that's brilliant. That's so good. But are we offering them life as well? Life and coffee. That's got to be worth having. Whatever it might be. Are we going out and helping people? Yes, we're offering them. Or are we just dressing the dead as the sisters did? Are we putting perfume? We want to offer them and we want to give them life. I'm not unpacking that now. There's so much to think about it. So where are we? If we know Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour and our King, I would say, I think he's saying to me and I say to all of us, know there is so much more. Becoming a Christian is the beginning. Step into the life. We need to step into that life. Are we in the tomb, alive but still there? Are there things we need to put away? Do we need to step out completely? This new life is totally different to the old life.
But when does life look like death? It looks like death when we're asleep. Are we sleeping? Is that the challenge of the Iranian lady going back to Iran? She saw the church in the USA sleeping. Are we struggling with the grave clothes? Well, let's just be reassured there are those around us who can help us with those. But actually, the life is so much more. Or maybe we've never really stepped into that life. Maybe say, Rob, look, I'm not sure I've got that life. I'm not sure that that's something that I've ever received. If that's you, I'd love you to join me in a prayer. So this life comes as we come to Jesus and we give our hearts to him. He gives us new life. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to pray with me, then please do. I'm going to pray it again as a prayer of like recommitment. Do that as well. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness, new life and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.